This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. Hi, I am Lindsay Burke, and I'm back on today with Mari Cornell, the founder of the Girls Empowerment Experience, a movement, mindfulness, mindset, and mental health program that empowers girls and women to move through life with more confidence, with more courage, with more connection to one another, and of course, creativity. She is also a martial artist. She's a CrossFitter, uh, and just one of the most incredible um, people. She's a partner. She's a mom. And uh, for the last two weeks, we have had you on, Mari, and she has been sharing her self-love journey, first telling us about the early days as a little girl and a young woman struggling with trauma, her parents' divorce, uh, an eating disorder and addiction at a certain point in her life, and um, eventually hitting a, a very painful rock bottom so early in life. And then we moved on to last week's episode, where she shared how she slowly began to take the reins of her own life, started in therapy, began her fitness journey, and realized a passion for teaching and helping other girls and women, and uh, meeting her now partner in kind of an unconventional way. So uh, we we just ended on that last week. So today, Mari's going to dive more into this relationship, how it's evolved over the last couple of years, the ups and downs, how she's had to confront her past trauma in real time and rewrite her story to continue healing in order to develop something better for herself and her family. Um, so thank you, Mari, so much for coming on for a third episode. I'm so excited to do this with you. And thank you for sharing your story and being so vulnerable and um, and enlightening us with some of your wisdom that you've gained over the last few years. Um, so you were in business with this man of your dreams. <laughs> And he was going through a divorce um, at the time when you guys kind of got the business aspect of things started and uh, and hadn't really shared each feelings uh, around all of this. Um, so you were just beginning to talk about um, how hard you were working to move away from this idea of of how relationships work just at the time when 
things were starting to progress in your relationship with him and evolve into maybe more than just business partners and friendship. So I would love to hear more about how that happened and um, the struggle with that because it was complicated and it was nuanced. And I think a lot of people can relate to um, the messiness <laughs> that life hits us with and um, and how it really forces us to confront what we value and who we want to be and how we manage the feelings. It, you know, it's, it is not, it's not a Hallmark movie. So um, yes, please dive in and share, share with us. Um, I guess starting out maybe when you were beginning to realize I have feelings for this guy, um, he's not available. And what do I do? Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. First of all, for having me again and giving me the space to share. Um, it's so, so healing for me. And I always say this, but I think that, you know, it's through vulnerability that we heal and grow and we give that space to others. And so many people have given me that space. I'm so grateful for that, you know, and through sharing their stories, I've learned and healed and grown so much because I can see myself through their experiences, right? And so um, thank you for giving me the same the same space. I'm just so grateful. Um, yeah. So yeah. Grateful for you. Um, you know, we when I was 19, I started working at the karate studio um, that you and I met at and Josh was there. Um, and at the time I, you know, was I I explained in the last episode, I was on and off um, with my long-term boyfriend, but I had this, and I didn't know intuition, but I had this intuition towards Josh, who is 13 years older than me. So at the time he was 32, I was 19. Um, it made no sense, but I just had this feeling like, oh my gosh, we are meant to be together. Like, how can he not see that? We're soulmates. We're, we're going to get married. We're going to have babies. Like, how does he not see me? Right? Because I've, 19. Wow. That's so crazy though. To have that feeling. It's not just a crush. It's not just a, there's yeah. something like I'm connected with this person and I, yeah. we, yeah. Yes, exactly. I felt a very, and I was already a very sensitive kid. You know, as I mentioned before, I was so afraid of my sensitivity, you know, and when I was 19, I was still numbing my sensitivity. I was still doing drugs, still drinking, still very deep in my eating disorder battle um, in, you know, in college, navigating all kinds of identity crises. I had dropped out of pre-med. Um, I was shifting, you know, I didn't know where I was headed in my career, but I knew that I always wanted to help other girls and young women. I just didn't know how. Yet. I had the idea that I was going to be a therapist and that that was kind of the only way. I didn't have exposure to other ways of success. You know, I had a very tunnel vision about that and um, sure. mentioned performance, you know, productivity and um, perfectionism were all ways that I felt worthy. There were all ways that I felt like enough, even though I, it was never enough because that had to come from within me, but I didn't know that yet. I was still seeking it outside of myself. In any case, and I think so many people relate to that. So many people relate to that. It was very our generation was most definitely inundated with that, unless you were raised by entrepreneurs and, yes. and people who, who were kind of outside of the system. 
getting an education, following the rule book, essentially other people creating the script for how you succeed and how you do life. Uh, that, that was already so pre-programmed into every aspect of how we went through our days. I mean, how much of our waking time do we spend in school growing up with someone else saying, okay, if you meet this criteria, then you're a good enough person. <laughs> then you're a good enough student and you're good enough at math and good enough at English and good enough at doctoring and good enough at whatever. So it makes sense that you've got this programming and it's a very kind of linear plan that you have for yourself as far as what you can do in order to be enough or successful. And then with the family stuff on top of it, I think so many people relate to that. They're like, well, I, I could, I don't even know what, how to get off the treadmill. What, what else is there? Right. And then I had this, you know, sort of dark night of the soul experience that many people talk about. And um, this realization that nothing changes if nothing changes. And I think I mentioned last time too, that because of my trauma from my childhood, I'm wanting so badly love but I didn't know what that was. You know, I, I knew what I didn't want. I knew that I didn't want a marriage like my parents, but I had never had an example besides my grandparents. But even that to me was like this 1950s, like long-term partnership, you know, that they had been in, but I didn't see like the rom-com you know, passionate love that every little girl wanted, right? Like I didn't have any examples of that in my real life, but I so badly wanted that. I so badly wanted a relationship. And so during that rock bottom, you know, part of my motivation to go on the, to learn how to love myself because everybody kept saying, oh, just love yourself. You know, no one will love you until you love yourself part of my motivation for that was because I desperately wanted love, right? And that was coming from pain. That was coming from not having love in my life. So I didn't really go about it the quote right way, right? Like it wasn't the way that you're supposed to go about healing yourself because it was still for something sort of outside of me. And at the same time, we're a social species. We're not meant to be alone. We're not meant to walk this life without a partner. And so I want to hold space for that that human need and desire. And it, it doesn't all come from lack. It also comes from, you know, following your heart and following your dreams and, and following your soul, what your soul wants. And I felt that deep in my soul. So anyway, going to this dive, you know, into healing my trauma and journaling and writing and, going to therapy, as you said, and being in nature, going on these hikes and having these like come to God moments out in the Santa Monica mountains and um, learning how to know about this at the time. Were you talking with him about any of this when you two were working together? Yeah, we were. Did you share a little bit about, you know, the journeys that we were on, but we were both still so afraid of vulnerability at that point. You know, I hadn't shared anything publicly yet about my eating disorders and my addiction. I hadn't, you know, I was on Instagram, but I was barely, I hadn't even posted a picture of myself yet. I was still learning how to love myself. I was still learning how to be myself, you know, during this time. And so I got to this place where I really liked myself and I really did start to love who I was. And um, 
I think, you know, I think that was, that is when you attract a partner in your life, you know, and, and the whole saying, you know, no one will love you until you love yourself. It's not true. People will love you. You just won't be ready to receive and you won't trust it because you can only trust the love that you give to yourself, right? So if you are not believing that you're worthy or trusting that you're worthy or um, treating yourself with love, because love is a verb, it's something that we, it's not just something we feel, it's something we do, then when love shows up, or it won't show up because you won't attract it into your life until you're a mirror for it, because we are all mirrors people, humans, yes. we're all mirrors of each other. Okay. Yes. Um, and that I, I just heard something the other day that was so big since we're talking about relationships right now, the, she said, you, you look at those non-negotiables. Like you look at that ideal man that you want to date. You look at that ideal woman that you want to date and write down all of those things and all those non-negotiables. You always hear about that. And you've got that list. Nobody ever does the reverse. Nobody uh, ever says, okay, what kind of partner would that person want? Am I that? <laughs> Am I someone who's really the the value and the 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 self-worth and containing the, you know, the the sense of confidence and and the sense of, you know, um discipline and, and all of these qualities that I want in someone else. Um, not that someone isn't worthy of being loved, but also able to be a really solid partner. Am I also bringing that to the table and that's those strengths to a relationship or am I bringing, you know, addiction? Am I bringing, you know, um, habits and things that are lower in integrity um, and to the table, but I'm wanting here, here's what I want from someone else, but then I'm not even exhibiting those things. You're talking about this self-responsibility around saying I, when I show up as a stronger version and more integrated version of myself, I'm also naturally going to not just attract. Cause I, I think people do attract if you're an attractive person, not just physically, but just as a, as a whole, if you have attractive qualities about you, you're going to attract all kinds of people, uh, good, bad, and ugly. You're going to get all kinds of different energies and people mm -hmm. in your life, but the people who really share your values and really share those qualities are going to be the ones who want to keep you around as well versus not wanting to keep you around. Um, and, uh, as well as, you know, the, the vice versa, that there's going to be that level of feeling seen because they've also done the work and you can see them because you've done the work. And so there's, there's more intimacy there that's possible when you're more actualized entering into that dynamic. So I think you just named it that now you are evolving into a version of yourself that can attract a version of another person and you're attracted to a version of another person that's a little different that you might have been attracted to and would have been attracted to you at the time. Oh my goodness. Yes. One million percent. And it's, it's so interesting that you mentioned all that because yes, in the, you know, in that three year period, I was on accident becoming the partner that I wanted to be. Right. But also, I'm going to get back to this because you can only do so much work on yourself and work quotes on relationship by yourself. Because at yeah. some point, you have to get in the arena. You have to get 
on the court, on the field, in the pool, like you can only do so much by yourself because you are not going to see your gaps until they're illuminated in relationship with someone else. So this idea that you have to be fully healed to be in relationship is not true. It's actually impossible because yes. you are First of all, we're never going to be fully healed. There's no finish line. There's no, I'm cured. I love myself. You know, that's just not life. Life is going to be an endless self-love journey, an endless journey of healing. There are going to be things in our life that we feel sad about for the rest of our lives. And that's okay. There is nothing wrong with feeling sad. It doesn't mean that you're not healed. It doesn't mean that you are not healing or growing. It means that you're Mm -hmm. healed. So learning how to accept all parts of yourself um, and knowing that you don't have to be at this enlightened, you know, we're not the Buddha. Like you're not going to be at this enlightened place where it's the quote perfect time and now you're ready for a relationship. The perfect time doesn't exist. Um, it no. Your perfect time. It will be your divine timing. And part of that is out of your human control. We're a little bit too human to determine the divine timing, in my opinion. That's, you know, kind of my spiritual mm-hmm. take on it. But um, that yeah. happens, you know, in the moment that it's meant to. And also that, yeah, you're, you can only do so much of that work on your own. And it is not until you're in relationship that you, the, the real work begins, truthfully. Um, Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. And every person bring a new dynamic that shines, illuminates yes. different parts of yourself. Every person. Exactly. Yes. Every person, every, you know, life stuff. You're not going to know what kind of person. I don't know what kind of person I'm going to be to grieve a major person in my life until that happens to me. And so it's life is also going to hit you with things that you haven't had to practice with and you get to you know, you're going to experience a new version of yourself in all of those life events. So I'm so glad you bring that up, that there's a lot of grace around the process of evolving and the process of growing. That's not a finish line. Yeah. That's so big. Huge. And, you know, as somebody who struggled with addiction and eating disorders, you know, if you're anybody who struggles with that voice in your head of addiction, eating disorders, you know, OCD, whatever that voice is for you, um, learning that that voice was going to be with me for the rest of my life and that that's okay. That was huge, right? Learning to, you know, what we resist. So the more we fight something, the stronger it becomes and learning how to coexist with all parts of yourself without judging it, without hating it with, you know, that grace that you're talking about, that is okay to bring into relationship as long as you're aware of it, as long as you know and, and yeah. understand your triggers and you understand your different voices and you can practice being aware of them so that they're not running the show or driving the bus, as my mentor said. Um, that is- Let me say name it. You got to name it to tame it. I know, yeah. what it's, I know it's there. 
and it's it's allowed to have a voice, mm-hmm. but I still get to be the driver. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that self responsibility. Uh, and so I think Josh and I, you know, individually, we're kind of in very similar places, which is why, um, you know, this timing was sort of divine for us. However, it was far from perfect timing. It was uh, far from, you know, hmm. the ideal start to a relationship when we realized that we had feelings for each other. Um I'm going to, I'm writing a book and so I don't want to give it all away. I want people to, you know, be excited to read about it. Um, so yeah. yeah, there was, there was a night that, that finally we realized that we had feelings for each other. And, you know, at this point I had been sort of banging my head against my steering wheel, like snap out of it, Mari, get this out of your head. You're making it up. It's not real. What you feel isn't real. Forget about it. Um, because he was in a marriage and I, you know, I, I knew my values enough to know that I wasn't going to become involved with somebody who was in another relationship and, uh, no matter what. And so, you know, I tried to convince myself that what I was feeling was just not real and that it wasn't mutual. But, um, like I said, it was very much this cosmic undeniable connection that, you know, had probably, like I said, been there since I was 19 and I was just finally accepting that it was there. Um, and so one night, um, Josh finally told me that how he felt about me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel the same way. I thought it was crazy. Ah! Um, this, you know, he was very much, uh, beside himself because he was confused about his life and he was confused about his feelings for me and, um, being, you know, in a, a marriage that was ending and starting another, you know, relationship at the same time as when ending felt so wrong for him and so scary for him, understandably. Um, and so the beginning of our relationship was extremely difficult. And while we had a very deep love and connection built on friendship, you know, it was already built on such a solid foundation of openness and trust and, um, as, as friends. Right. But because was healing through his separation and divorce and facing his trauma in that, in that way. Um, while I was ready to start our relationship, I was like, we're finally married. Imagine. Right. We like, we're meant to be together. Finally, you know, this is happening and I'm ready and I'm, like in this great place in my life. And, you know, I, I have this new beach house and this great job and I'm healthy and I'm so, you know, sober and I'm totally in love with my life and myself. And now I have this man of my dreams who is everything I've ever wanted, excuse me, everything I've ever wanted. Um, and we're having this like whirlwind romance, like extremely, you know, and by the way, I, I will say, nothing happened until he was separated right so we shared our feelings verbally to each other but then there was that period of time that like we knew we had feelings for each other but also he was navigating a separation and so there was this limbo period which was awful right because like we knew we had feelings for each other so deeply um but nothing 
could happen because he was going through separation. And you're still working together. It's not We're like you can take some space. Um, oh. Um, and then, and then the separation did happen and we did begin, you know, essentially dating. We had this amazing whirlwind romance that was, it was everything I had seen in movies growing up. And all of the people saying like, oh, it's just a movie that doesn't really exist, that doesn't really happen. I mean, I would have these moments where I would be like outside myself looking in going, oh my God, this is exactly like the movies. You know, like I can remember being a teenager and you know, the like all oh, the teeny popper movies that in the 90s and 2000s that I would just like pine over, oh my gosh, one day, like <laughs> there's all this like that doesn't exist. That's just a movie. Um, no, it, it was. And by the way, for listeners, I always want people to know this too. I've been in a long, I've, I've been with my spouse forever. It feels like, I don't know. It's, we laugh. We're like, were we ever not together? Yeah. <laughs> it feels like forever. That can continue. I always want to give couples yes. hope. I want to give people that it doesn't just have to happen at the beginning. No. It can pop up, you know, feelings come and go, but the honeymoon can cycle back through so many so, points in your life yes. when you're working, when you're doing the work and when you're on the journey and when you're continuing to grow separately and together. Um, and sometimes it's separate for long, long bouts of time, but I'm so glad. Yeah. I always want to say that, that, so that that can happen. Those feelings can be wonderful and it, it, it can sustain some of that, even when it's really hard. Um, sometimes it even gets better. It can, it can oh, get even better with time. Josh always. Um, but yeah. So you, better. Yeah. He, that's something that. Say that again. Josh always says that it, it has gotten better. You know, that it's, it, yeah. everything has gotten better as we've gotten closer and stronger as a, you know, as a partnership and as a family. Um, and there were, you know, so many people at that time who, uh, were telling me that it was just a honeymoon phase, that I was just a rebound, wow. that it wasn't, re, you know, it wasn't going to last forever. And that, you know, mm. th that weren't able to support me during that time because it was so mm. unconventional and it was so out of the box, you know, how our relationship was starting. And so I had to be, I learned that I had to be really careful with who I shared my experience with because um, a lot of times, you know, first of all, you're the only one in your relationship. You are the only one who truly is in it. Um, and a lot of times people can project their own fears onto your relationship and their own experiences and their own trauma and their own ideas. Um, and so I learned, you know, eventually it took me a while but i learned eventually that i had to keep it really sacred and there were only a select few people maybe one actually person um besides my therapist that i could talk to about my relationship that was blooming with josh because um there was a lot of negativity and a lot of you know understandably a lot of caution and sure. um sure. but it was really confusing sometimes because I was in it and I was experiencing a love like I had never, I could never have even dreamed up how good it was. And I had, you know, talk about self-love journey. I mean, I hadn't worn shorts in 
probably like 10 years and I, I was loving my body and I was learning to love my body through CrossFit and what my body could do. And as a happy accident, I was loving what my body looked like. Um, and not that I was seeking validation from Josh, but again, he was just that mirror of it where he was like, wow, I love your legs. And he was so vocal about like loving a part of me that I had hated my entire life and tried to change yeah. my entire life. Um, and then one day my hair was wet and dried and I have super, it's done right now, but I have super curly hair and I had straightened it, you know, literally since I was nine years old. I, I can remember asking my wow. clothing iron and straighten my hair with a clothing iron because I thought that was beautiful. Um, and so anyway, my hair dried curly and he's like, oh my gosh, that's your hair? You and then from then on, I mean, to this day, if I am doing anything with a heat product, he's like, why are you burning your hair? You know, and <laughs> of him telling me I was beautiful. So then I believed I was beautiful. I already was learning to love my own beauty and myself. And he was reflecting that back to me. And it was feeling so good to be seen and to, That's um, it. Right, to be in part someone who was loving me for me. And I was showing up as all of me, you know, like I had never before because we were giving each other space to be truthful and vulnerable and flawed and messy. And it was so messy because even though we were having this amazing connection and love and, you know, we, we could see our future together. I mean, we were already talking about a family and children and marriage and, you know, we were basically from very early on sort of living together. I mean, we would be together like four or five nights a week. Um, and at the same time, Josh was navigating this the ending of a long-term relationship, he was coming to terms with parts of himself. And for the first time, he was learning how to be vulnerable and truthful and true to himself. And he was afraid that he was repeating old coping mechanisms um, and had also people in his life giving him very negative messaging about rushing into another relationship. And, you know, that I was, again, just that rebound, even though we couldn't deny what we were feeling and what we knew in our bones and in our cells to be true about being together. Um, in any case, he was very explicit that he could not be in a committed relationship with me and that he was not ready to say that we were in a committed relationship. And this was very confusing for me because we were telling each other we loved each other. We were spending so much time together. We were talking about our futures. We were more emotionally intimate than I had ever been with any person in my entire life. Um, you know, I was learning one of the most beautiful things was the moments that I would cry and share my truth and, and speak my truth were the moments that we got closer. And he would tell me, you know, how, how being vulnerable made us closer and stronger together. And I had never experienced that in my life, not with my own parents, not with my friends, certainly not with boyfriends or, you know, hookups. Um, and so we were building this really strong relationship and he was adamant that it was not a relationship, you know, that we were not in a committed relationship. And so it was incredibly confusing for me. And 
so hard for me because I kept wanting to trust what I knew in my heart and in my bones that we were meant to be together. And, um, you know, there were many times that he requested space and that was the most excruciating thing for me at first, because to me, space meant abandonment. I didn't know how to give space. As I mentioned in my last relationship, you know, that was really the downfall or part of the downfall in my previous relationship because I wouldn't give space when it was asked for. There are two big things that kind of stand out, if I can interrupt you really quick, that really stand out to me when you're saying this. One is I really appreciate from him the integrity of holding the boundary it would be so easy for someone who's in that circumstance to also be afraid of losing you and and not be honest and start something sooner than they're ready. And I, I tell people all the time, someone having the courage to tell you no shows, first of all, some intimacy. Mm-hmm. It also shows self-worth. It shows courage. It shows boundaries. It shows a lot of qualities that you want in a partner. You want someone to be able to tell you no. And then part of the, the strength is being able to, to hold, to accept that no, someone's truth and someone's rejection, at, especially as a parent. Now you know how yeah. important it is to be able to hold space yeah. for a no from someone. Um, those little, little people are powerful, but just the, the alternative is someone being with you when they don't want to be either or when they're not feeling fully invested or they're not fully ready. Um, and, and when I say not fully ready, I don't mean that we're ever ready fully for the relationship, but in the sense of, you know, someone showing up when they want to be there because they're choosing to be as, a, as opposed to them also entering the relationship out of fear. So I want to acknowledge the, the value in receiving that no from someone else, even when you hate it, you hate hearing it, how important that is. But the other piece of it is obviously there was this investment of eventually maybe I'll get him. But what I love that you said is I had to do something different or I was going to keep having the same result. So even if the result was that you and Josh didn't end up working out, what you were working was this muscle of resilience around containing yourself and holding on to yourself, even when someone else can't be that person that you're hoping and wanting them to be for you, um, to be able to, to take on that responsibility as an adult. And again, I don't want to, enter into that stage of perpetrating the belief that we can do it all on our own and we don't need other people. I don't think that's it at all. I think what we do need to acknowledge is that you were desperately meeting, missing a secure base, which makes it so much more painful. If you've got an amazing relationship with your parents, if you've got an amazing relationship with friends and other support systems in your life, it's a lot easier to 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 contain and hold on to those really hold on to yourself in those hard times and when you're rejected. It takes so much work and 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 uh and, and really really being able to take care of yourself uh and and acknowledge all the feelings and process all the feelings when you're having to contain that kind of rejection or that type of pause or hold that you had to do when you don't have that support coming from other places and i just i commend you on that thank you thank you i think that's why people jump back into relationships that's why we desperately hold on to relationships that are unhealthy is that 
it is it is so painful to feel that loss or to to not have that need met when when you feel at least at the time that it's right there because it's such a human need and to be able to do that ideally when we're a secure secure individual and we have that support system but we're also healed a lot more healed um we're able to hold onto those periods a lot longer which allows us to sustain relationships for longer as well i think people don't realize in long-term relationships it's the fact that they've been able to ride the ride and they can ride the wave and the ebbs and the flows because that distance and those pauses are going to happen even when you're in a long-term relationship so you were building that muscle right then by saying i can't have what i want right now and how am i going to manage this without becoming the person that i used to be yeah um, that I don't want to be anymore. And it was so just huge. Thank you. Thank you, Lens. Yeah, it's, um, you're right. When it's your deepest wound and your deepest trigger um, and you don't have the solid foundation, you know, I. but th- that being said, I did have the foundation of that last three years that I had. Mm. Yes. So that good point was, I was learning how to reparent myself and I was learning about my own trauma and triggers. So when this was coming up, I was aware of what was happening for me, right? Like I wasn't just going in blindly. I knew why I was feeling triggered because I had done Mm. on my childhood and my trauma to know myself better. Um, And so that also helps because then you can start to give yourself what you need. Like I said, I was turning that flashlight on myself and saying, okay, what is it that I'm really needing from him? That safety, security, that love, that control, that certainty, you know, how can I give that to myself? How can I, you know, give myself that same comfort? Um, And listen, I was, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it was, there were some days where, yeah, you're not as strong as others. On my part too, because I was like, oh, well, you know, he's saying that he doesn't want to be in a committed relationship with me, but we're in one, (laughs) you know, like I was, I, we were confusing. It was so confusing because we were in a relationship, but we weren't, it doesn't even really make sense. But um, well, and I think you're naming right now the nuance and the complexity, and uh, again, the pressure from the outside world to have definitions yeah. and to have rules on some of these things. And the reality is, it just doesn't typically work that way. It just sometimes it's messy, it's confusing, even within my. 16 year relationship with my spouse. It's there have been times where we're definitely more married. We're meeting more criteria for being married. <laughs> and then other times where we're meeting more criteria for roommates. And then yeah. we're meeting more criteria for distant, you know, acquaintances. You know, it's just so those definitions just make things really confusing when we feel that pressure of self of self-acceptance, but also acceptance of where you're at in the relationship when you're comparing it to that those expectations. Well, and if we can, Mari, because I, I, there are a few things that I think are so important now that you are where you're at, if we can jump in forward a little bit into the relationship that you have now, where you've been together for years, you have, you have a daughter now together. Um, how long has it been that you've been, I guess, officially dating once oh, God. all of that? Comes? Well, there's no, I mean, there's no like 
it's hard to say what the the marker for like efficiency is. Um, okay, all okay. of this began eight, almost eight years ago. So yeah. Okay. Eight. Yeah. So there have been years. <laughs> it's yes. been a number of years that you've yeah. really kind of been. Yeah. So, so what are some of the things now looking back about the version of yourself that you've become um, that you really like about yourself that has paid off mm -hmm. that you're seeing, you're seeing the, the, the results of now. Um, even when it's really hard, even when there's conflict between you two, even when there's uncertainty, even when, you know, there are other life challenges that make life hard. What are the aspects of this work that are paying off now in the relationship and versions of yourself that have shifted Yeah, as a result of this work? Um, that's a great question. I think, you know, like I said before, you can only do so much work on yourself alone and you can only do so much work on relationships alone. You have to get in the arena. You have to, you know, you can like read the manual and watch a YouTube video on how to ride a bike, but you're not going to know how to ride a bike till you get on the bike. <laughs> um, so one thing that, you know, I, I really am proud of is that in the messiness of those first three years, you know, that number one, I was able to trust myself and my inner knowing of what was right for me. Um, I certainly mistakes in that. I certainly, you know, um, put Josh is his needs before my own at times, even though I needed or wanted that commitment. So I'm so glad that you bring it back to keeping it very simple, keeping it very small. I remember even the first episode that we had together, you were talking about just sitting and I can't remember what it was that was the context, but you were just talking about sitting and breathing and not making the phone call mm -hmm. to your ex-boyfriend. You're like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do it for one minute and then I can add a second minute. I'm just gonna not call him for five minutes. Okay, I'm just not, I'm gonna see if I can make it to an hour. But something that is as small as that, it does build that, that muscle and that discipline, but also the self-trust yeah. because when it's so small, you're teaching yourself, I can count on yes. you. I can, I can count yeah. on me. Yeah. Myself. I keep my commitments to myself and it's that, you know, just like with kids or with dogs, it's positive reinforcement, right? We get proud <laughs> of ourselves for following through. That feels good. So it's a reward that we get for ourselves, and it makes us want to do more because we want to keep feeling good. We want to keep feeling yes. that positive reward. And so starting yes. one tiny, tiny step is going to have this snowball effect that you can't even see yet. You don't even, and the thing is, you know, for somebody just starting on this journey or wanting to make a change, you don't have to know all the fine tune details. You don't have to know exactly how, the result layout. You don't have to know the exact next steps that you're going to take. Um, Cause you can't. No, you can't, I just think God, you know, the 19 year old version of myself couldn't have imagined this. If I told them that I'd be doing some of the things that I'm doing now, I'd be like, hmm, what? <laughs> I couldn't, I wouldn't have worried that for myself. I wouldn't have even set that as a, as a goal. Yeah. Because the other thing it's going to be better than you can ever imagine. And when you try to control it, you're limiting yourself. You, you know, by surrendering and by letting go and taking your hands off the wheel a little bit, you are letting it be better than you can 
ever possibly imagine. And I think we all have this choice of, you know, as humans, we're hardwired to think what's the worst thing that can happen because that's our protective mechanism. If we think about the worst thing that can happen, then we can quote, protect ourselves from it and stay in that survival mode. But the flip side of the coin that we rarely ask ourselves is, well, what's the best thing that could happen? And I think anybody who's been on the other side of the journey, often they have to go through like a cleansing <laughs> of their life because they realize, even if it's not bad, if there aren't bad aspects of their life, but they're not integrated with who they're becoming and who they've become because they were the aspects and the people and the lifestyle and the job and the all of these elements of their life were they fit for the traumatized version of themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't fit for this new, newer version of themselves. So Mari, if we can, let's fast forward a little bit to being in this relationship. I'm so curious how your relationship progressed and how it evolved and how it had to evolve once you got into it and, and it was committed and, and you two were established and you were ready to move forward or maybe they, maybe you weren't, maybe that was a part of the process, but what had to shift in order for you to enter into a more c- conscious relationship that what you'd consider a more purposeful way of engaging with one another and and loving one another and supporting one another that was just so different from prior relationships for sure but even maybe the early stages of your relationship oh yeah a hundred percent I think you know similarly to when I was struggling with drugs and alcohol and my eating disorder and sort of you know the concept of nothing changes if nothing changes really carried over for me where I realized if I kept doing the same thing, if I kept repeating my, you know, dynamics in relationships, I was going to keep getting the same results. And so I was finally willing to do something so entirely different because I wanted this so badly, you know? And, and as I said, I, I wanted love, even though I didn't really know what that was because it was, you know, as you guys heard, just never modeled to me. I didn't know besides movies and, you know, what you see on TV or in reading books, um, I I didn't know what the love I was going after actually was. I didn't know what a conscious relationship was, um, but I knew what I didn't want. I knew that I could do the opposite, you know, of what I had done in the past. And so learning how to be the person, like take that flashlight that I was shining so brightly on Josh, like be this for me. I need you to be this right inside internally. That's kind of the, you know, the story that we're telling is like, okay, we're putting this flashlight on the other person. We want them to be who we want them to be in the relationship, right? We, we need them to be that person. That's that codependent thing that shows up. Um, and I would start to take that flashlight and like reverse it and put it on myself and say, okay, how can I be that? Like everything that I want from Josh, how can I be that person? How can I be the supportive person? How can I hold the space? I knew I wanted to be somebody who, you know, I I would constantly ask myself, who am I in relationship? Well, I want to be somebody who supports the other person. I want to be somebody who holds the space, you know, and can accept what he's feeling and what he's going through, even if I don't understand it, right? And I think, you know, I'm I'm such an empath, so I want to be like, oh, I understand. I understand. But the thing is, I don't understand and I'm never going to understand what it's like to be 
in my late 30s, early 40s as a man going through a divorce, you know, coming from the childhood that he went through. I can't understand that, but I can accept it, right? And I can accept that he copes with those things differently than the way that I cope with my trauma, right? And so learning that acceptance, and, and this is something I had to heal with my own parents too, is acceptance doesn't require you to like something. It doesn't require you to agree with it. It doesn't require you to condone it. It is peace. It's feeling peace with something that you feel like you don't have to control it or fix it or change it anymore, right? And so I had to take my hands off the excuse me, I had to take my hands off the wheel a little bit and allow him to have his process, you know, and learning how to give that space was so excruciating for me. And it wasn't always physical space. Sometimes it was energetic space and sometimes it was physical space. And that was so hard for me because, you know, the fear of abandonment or the fear that he was going to find somebody better or forget about me or, you know, all of those past fears from my previous relationship where I couldn't give space, where I, you know, flat out refused to give space, um, those fears were still there, right? But now I needed to learn how to trust that it was okay to do something different because it meant that I might get what I wanted. And that was more important to me. That was, you know, the, the prospect of maybe having it was way better than knowing that if I kept doing the same thing, I was definitely not going to have it. And so I would often tell myself like, okay, well, if I just give him, like, what if I just gave him this space right now that he's needing, right? And I continue to work on myself. I continue to shine that flashlight back on me and say, okay, what do I need? What am I wanting from him? How do I give that to myself, right? Um, what if I did this? temporarily, right? And that meant I got to be with him for the rest of my life. That means I do get the relationship that I want forever if I go through this temporary discomfort, right? And so again, kind of like bringing in that voluntary adversity or that temporary discomfort, getting comfortable in the uncomfortable, right? That I had sort of learned from CrossFit and I had learned from sobriety and I'd taken these themes and brought it in, right? So I think, you know, I think that was a huge part of what progressed, at least on my end, right? Because we can only control our side of the street, right? And we can't ever force someone to be willing. You know, I couldn't force Josh to do his individual work and he had to do what he needed to do in healing his own trauma and his own, you know, his separation and his divorce and entering this, you know, new relationship with me. That's not my job, right? My job is to, to show up, it, as the person that I want to be in the relationship to honor my own boundaries, to honor myself, which by the way, I didn't always do. I often, you know, was still learning how to honor my own boundaries. I was still learning how to, yes. Of having to do well. And I want to ask you something, Mari too, because you're, this is so important that it's not totally irrational. This fear of someone leaving yeah. to say, okay, if I face, they may leave for the, the people out there who really struggle with this, what would you say to, to these, you know, women and young men yeah. and, and girls? I, I don't want to, I'm afraid they're going to leave me. And if I give them space, it might give, make it easier for them to leave me. How is this practice still beneficial? Even if they do leave, mm. even if for Such a good reason point. that person ends up not being a good fit, 
what is still helpful about this practice? Because there are people like, what, yeah. you know, no way that's, that's then my fear coming, coming true. Mm-hmm. I, I gave them space and they left me. Then they're not for you. Then that's not your person, you know, and that's, it's alignment. It's all about alignment. And um, I, I think we can redefine, you know, as people who come like myself, who come from this fear of not being good enough or this fear of abandonment or always needing to be perfect for somebody else to love you, you know, this sort of old story of not being lovable. Um, I think it's really important for us to redefine rejection, that it's not rejection, it's redirection or protection, right? Some people say rejection is God's protection or rejection is redirection. Um, So it, you know, it is as cliche as it sounds like, what's that old saying about like, if you let a bird free and it comes, you know, it, it leaves, it was never meant to be, or if it comes back to you, then it was yours, right? Something like, I don't know, I'm not saying it correctly, but something like that. that. Um, You know, and so reminding yourself, you know, that answer is allowed to exist right then and there as opposed to trying to force something or elongate an answer you're eventually going to come to anyways. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Nothing forced is, you know, I I also would remind myself that, that nothing forced is going to last. It's not, it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be strong enough to last. And I I guess, what would I say to other people? You know, it, it really comes back to focusing on what you can control and that's yourself, you know, and healing and understanding your own trauma and your own, your childhood, your relationships, your parents' relationship, where you come from, so you can understand who you are in relationship and why you have that fear in the first place. Um, Mm -hmm. And also understanding and learning. And I think this was a huge part of what progressed, you know, relationship for Josh and I is understanding your partner's trauma and their conflicts. I mean, their childhood conflicts and where they come from and why they cope the way that they cope, because then you can understand in the moment of conflict, what's actually happening. Right. And so learning how to have healthy conflict, learning how to have healthy space, you know, sometimes is so important to healing. And this is, I think I said this before, you know, we can only do so much work on relationship by ourselves. It's not until you're in the arena, you're on the bike that, you know, you really get to, embody and practice and put, you know, not to the test, but really, um, yeah, practice is the best word. Practice these skills and, you know, work on relationship in real time because you can't, can't do it all on your own. You have to do it in the context of the relationship, but it does require you to understand one another and to respect one another, you know, to, have a mutual respect for one another's traumas and triggers. And it doesn't mean enable them. It doesn't mean indulge them, but having that understanding can help you navigate. If, if that is your trigger, right? Be a fear of abandonment. And you know that about yourself 
then when that shows up, you're able to give yourself what you need instead of possibly relying on that other person to give you what you need in the moment. And that doesn't mean, you know, this is, these are all nuanced because also we do need, you know, trust and safety. And we do need to be able to depend on other people as humans we're a social species. We're we're meant to work together. We're meant for collaboration and partnership and companionship. But I think one of the nuances is intention. Hit you with I was gonna hit you with that one next because I was wondering where that line is, which is yeah. tricky. Yes. How do I move also away from I'll I'll wait as long as you need me to and I'll do whatever you want the one who always adapts and I'll be the one who always, you know, holds space when there isn't mutuality. But I kind of going back really quickly to what you were saying, I love the idea. I always use like a sports analogy, that idea of these football players, because it's football season, they they are training and weightlifting and doing all these things on their own before they even get out on the field. So that they are fast enough that when that ball is thrown to them, they can get to it. They're strong okay. enough to do that. They're strong enough to do that push. So they're doing that weightlifting. So, I mean, essentially what you're talking about is that work you do on yourself creates enough strength mm. to hold space for your partner being human. Foundation. And mm-hmm. when it creates that solid foundation. It creates a solid foundation, ideally, from both of you. Yeah to be able to work through that hard stuff together. You're actually coming to one another as a stronger version of, you know, of yourself. Exactly. Heavier conflict. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, and and it's so important to remind, you know, if you're people listening that you can't force the other person or there's no perfect magic words that you can say or, perfect thing that you can do to get the other person to do that work for themselves. Right. Like I, that's not your job. And the, but the more that you do that for yourself, the more you might offer space for the other person to feel safe to do that for themselves. Right. And you're, that's not to say you're in control of it because you're not, you're not in control of anyone else, but you. And and that's, Again, you know, where I always come back to that flashlight, like turn it back on yourself, give yourself what you need in that moment, Um, be who you want to be in the relationship, be who you want to be to yourself in your self relationship, right? But giving that, that space might be boundaries. Yes. I think too, sometimes that also means boundaries with the other person. Right. Say, hey, there's a difference. There's a different energy, but, you know, between... I'm offended and I'm upset and I'm angry with you versus you're not able to show up right now in the way that I'm needing and I need to take space mm-hmm. to protect myself and see why and I can have empathy for your situation. It still allows for a different kind of energy around how someone else's work that hasn't been done yeah. <laughs> responded to by you. Yeah. I love that. That shining. I They can't take care of me. I can take care of myself. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try to fix them or push them to a place they can't go right now. Exactly. That's not my thing. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, as you say that, I think Josh was really good about setting those boundaries with me, you know, and, and he was very vocal and expressive about needing that space and time with himself, you know, and also wanting and also recognizing that I was needing something different, you know, that I was like, I was ready for this relationship. I need, I wanted it. I needed it. I was like, 
I was in it, you know, I was, I was ready to go. Um, and thank God we didn't go ready to go in those first three years because there was more work to be done. It was illuminating parts of myself that still needed healing on my side, you know, to like that foundation of what you said about the weight, you know, the weightlifting and the training on your own. I didn't know, but I had more of that to do before we could enter the next phase of our committed relationship. And had I not gone through all of that conflict and the struggles and the pain and, you know, I wouldn't have been ready to progress into the next phase of our committed relationship, which, you know, really did happen organically. And when I stopped trying to force it and when I let go and, and not let go physically, but let go energetically, when I stopped trying to control and fix and force, um, that is when it started progressing organically. And Josh had his role, right? Right. Like I, I can't really speak to, and he'll share his part in that, but that was my part, you know, and, and I think that was where I needed to shift and change and show up for myself. Um, you know, and I also remember, like, I think this is so important too the power of what we focus on, right? And our reticular activating system. Like, there was a moment where I realized, wow, I always talk about this so negatively, you know? And I, I realized that I was complaining, you know, when girlfriend, when friends would talk to me, or, um, and so I, it was another moment where I realized, oh, I've got to shift my mindset about this and act as if, just like I had. Again, when I healed my relationship with food and exercise and drugs and alcohol, I was acting as if, right? Not fake it till you make it, but acting as the woman that I wanted to be. And so I noticed how my language would change when I would talk about Josh. People would say, oh, how is he doing? How's, how's everything going with that? And instead of like, oh, this is so hard for them, it was like, oh, everything is awesome. You know, we're growing, we're learning, we are. And the, here's the thing, like even amidst those challenges and conflicts, we were, it, it was the most amazing, miraculous relationship I had ever experienced, which was also like you said, well, how do I know when to let go of this? Right. Um, that was part of how I knew that I could keep going because of what it was giving me, you know, it was giving me this mm -hmm. space to be myself. It was, Josh was showing up and, you know, the times that I would come vulnerably broken and crying and you know that what I would think were the ugliest parts of myself were the moments he would cry with me and say you know this is what brings us closer together this I feel more connected to you when you're vulnerable and honest thank you for sharing please share more with me let me be here for you you know I I am more in love with you than ever and I had never had that in any relationship in my life, not with my parents, my friends, boyfriends. I mean, it, it was the one of the biggest gifts that he ever gave me was space, you know, to navigate the challenges that I was facing. And even though he couldn't understand what I was going through, the acceptance and the love and support that he gave me and the mirror that he gave me that, you know, that was who he wanted in the relationship. He wanted me to be vulnerable and honest and authentic to myself, right? And so it, I was learning so much about what a conscious relationship is. Um, and through that, we were able to continue progressing in terms of, you know, navigating conflicts differently and understanding, but again, we were doing this work separately too, understanding our own traumas individually so that when we had conflict, 
we could honor ourselves in the moment as well, right? And so that self-awareness was so powerful in the way our relationship was progressing. I don't know if that makes sense. That's but. So cool. That totally makes sense. You kind of answered my question, but just to to add on to that, what are the parts of you that you really like now about yourself, even when it's hard, mm-hmm. even when it's challenging to not revert back to old ways or... Um, this is actually the one that's chopping through the bush, you know, it'd be so much easier to take a different route and you're choosing the hard, but what is it that at the end of the day, you're able to lean on with regards to knowing this is better for me. This is better for us because I like who I am at the end of it. Mm, so good. Such a good question. Um, so a tough one we were in Boston over the holidays and uh, Christmas and we all got COVID. <laughs> we were, we were um, oh. you know, and our flight got delayed. So there were all these things that happened where we had to stay longer. And of course we were stressed and there were, you know, family dynamics that were stressful. There was all kinds of things that were leading up to this conflict that he and I had. The holidays can be very triggering for people. Right. And we had this giant conflict and um, I needed to, we both were very reactive. We were, this was just this past year. So this is fast forward like eight years, right? Into our relationship. Um, yeah. We still have conflicts. We still have major conflicts. And this was one of them. Um, it was very painful and I needed to take some space. So I went for a run in the freezing cold by myself and I sat by the water afterwards crying and holding myself and I thought wow this feels so good it was a moment where this juxtaposition of being in the pain of conflict with your partner but also trusting that it was going to be okay and we were going to work through it even if we couldn't work through it immediately and we needed that space but the juxtaposition of that with what I actually would answer your question with was the home that I've made within myself. And that is what feels the best, is that even when I'm in pain and trauma and you know PTSD and this conflict within our relationship or any conflict really, that I'm able to come home to myself. And that comfort that I feel with myself um, in knowing that I'm going to be okay, that the intimacy that I've developed with pain to understand pain is not permanent, to understand that I do have tools to live life on life's terms and navigate pain and be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And it almost felt like as I was you know, sitting there with myself, it was like this hug that I was giving myself, like this metaphorical, like safe hug. And I was able to recognize, you know, how many times over the past eight years I've given myself that and have developed that. And whether it was, you know, sobbing in the, on the shower floor, eight, you know, seven, eight years ago in the, in the beginnings of our relationship, rocking back and forth, you know, in that excruciating, like wailing, crying pain, or this eight years later, you know, sitting on a bench in (laughs) freezing cold New England, with myself, um, the home that I've made within myself to know that I am okay and I am safe and I, I'm always going to be okay. 
and that pain doesn't last forever, discomfort doesn't last forever, and that I do have tools to draw on, that's the thing that I love the most is that I have learned how to be my own knight in shining armor instead of always looking for one to come save me. Um, and you don't have to be afraid of this flood of feelings either. I can hear oh, this, the that's huge. Yeah. I have that I have to do reject it. I have to, that's not okay. Where this time it's, I'm allowed to have let all of this happen because I'm still, I'm able to ride this wave. Yes. Letting myself feel it all and knowing that there's nothing wrong with being sad and there's nothing wrong with being angry and there's nothing wrong with being anxious. So that's all part of the human experience. And, you know, going back to what we talked about with my old story, that that doesn't mean I'm broken or there's something wrong with me or I'm diseased or disordered. That means I'm human and allowing myself to have a full human experience, you know, for the first time in my whole life, you know, these past, I would say, seven, eight years, it's the first time I've really lived life on life's terms and allowed myself, like you said, to not be so afraid of, of those feelings, because I can, I can be with myself in those feelings, you know, and, and also that I, you know, there, again, it's like so nuanced, because also the trust, you know, that Josh and I have developed in knowing that even when we're in really difficult conflict and, you know, like truthfully, really ugly, really messy, where our old coping mechanisms are firing our old, you know, it's, it's like blast from the past. It's like, oh my God, this is what would happen eight years ago. Like, are we really doing this again? Like, you know, and you, and you get into that judgment of, I can't believe the other person is really going there. And then, and then the judgment of yourself, like, whoa, I can't believe I just went there. Right. And so you're, you, you're in the messiness of that and the ugliness of that, but also simultaneously you trust that you are going to navigate it and you are going to get through it. And the other person isn't going anywhere and you're not going anywhere. Right. And you're able to notice those old coping mechanisms are firing because that's my old trauma coming up, right? And so you're able to, to sit with yourself and say, okay, what happened is not what's happening, right? What happened eight years ago is not what's happening right now. What happened 28 years ago is not what's happening right now. And so, you know, and you've got to get your brain and your body on, on the same, same wavelength. They've got to speak the same language. So it's not just talking yourself in and out of it. It's regulating yourself it's being with your nervous system yes. which you know that's why i went for a run and then sat and meditated and sat by the water i was that was what yes. that's my way of bringing my body back online right because my body goes into that old ptsd mode so we have to get our brain and body speaking the same language and um and then we're able to access that trust for the other person right and that trust for ourselves because that's where that's where that trust for ourselves comes from. I love that you bring that up, Mari, because when we're talking about this conscious, purposeful engagement, this conscious, purposeful way of, of partnering and, and resolving conflict and navigating the relationship, the illusion is that you're not going to continue to have these triggers, that mm -hmm. you're not going to have these moments where you turn into that teenager version of yourself and you're not going to have these moments where you both go there mm -hmm. in all the bad ways, you know, and bring back all the old shit. And um, what I love is, and I tell clients this all the time, they're like, well, how do I know I'm not going to go back? Cause it's too late. 
You can't. Yep. You can't. You will, but then you you can't unknow what you know now. Yes. And so wisdom at some point is going to kick it back in. And I love that you share that because you're like, why are we doing this? Yep. <laughs> because once you have done the work and once you have become aware, you can't unsee it anymore. Oh, you can't unsee a different way of thinking and a different way of yep. framing things. And you can't unsee your own self-awareness. And also, again, as you get to know your partner better, you can't unsee their trauma in it right. as well. And so you hear everything through different lenses now. You hear everything through a different filter. And um, so I think it's so important that when we're like, oh, I wanted this conscious relationship, that means we won't fight anymore. Mm -hmm. No, it means you're going to catch things faster. It means you're going to be able to back faster. You're going to have better tools. You're going to be able to engage those tools sooner. You're going to like any muscle you've got, but you've got to practice Mm -hmm. it. And the only way to practice is by having these conflicts. Yes. (laughs) And by happening in real time while simultaneously, as you mentioned, continuing to work on yourself. Yes. That both of you are continuing continuing to work out, you know, the internal muscles, but essentially you're going to the gym and you're you're working on yourself so that you're you're continuously bringing a stronger version of yourself to a relationship and that in and of itself is going to a lot for that discipline and that ability to say, I need to go for a run. Love you. Gotta go so I don't kill you right now. <laughs> and then I'll be back and maybe I'll be a little nicer and we'll be able to work this out. <laughs> yes. Yes. So just be able to show up a little differently where you wouldn't have caught it in that more immature, that more traumatized, you know, unevolved version of yourself wouldn't have been able to catch it. You would have been stuck in this loop with your partner. A hundred percent. Yeah. And but one thing I always say, you know, I have so many people ask me all the time. Um, but I'm doing the work, but the other person isn't. Mm. What's really incredible about relationships is the dynamic can't continue as it is while you're doing the work. So when you show up differently, them mirroring the old version of your dynamic won't function. Mm. <laughs> it won't work. So when you show up differently, they have to shift mm-hmm. or it's just not going to. So, you know, if you, you're clinging to the relationship was the thing that pushed him away. When you stop clinging, his avoidance doesn't matter. You know, it's an example, like if someone's pushing you away and you're clinging and then you stop clinging, there's, there's nothing for them to run away from anymore. And so That's naturally we shift our side of the dynamic, the other side has to shift, but that can't be the goal. You know, sometimes like you mentioned early on in the early stages, that is the goal. You're like, well, if I do something differently, hopefully they'll change. But ultimately, as you practice, you realize the benefit is your own, yes. regardless of whether or not they change. But usually one of the payoffs is that it can't continue as it was previously anyways, because you're no longer participating in that way of engaging so I'm that's so interesting I've never heard someone put it that way and I I love that perspective thank you for sharing that yeah sometimes it means they exit sometimes it means the relationship is over but it just can't continue if one person and here's the thing if that person does exit you are creating such an amazing foundation for yourself for the next right person right and so no matter what it is such meaningful work that you're doing for yourself, right? And trusting that 
the alignment is going to show reveal itself to you, right? If it's not that person, then you're making space in your life for the next right person to come in and you're going to attract somebody on that next vibration, on that next level, you know, that, that you've leveled up to. So um, no matter what, turning that flashlight on yourself and giving yourself what you need and becoming that person is going to benefit you. It's in, in the way that you want it to. Right. And so, yeah, that's such a great reminder lens. Well, Mari, I am so, so sad to, to have to call this, uh, uh, bring this to the, to an end today, but this was just the best. And thank you so much for taking the time to share your story, share your wisdom and, and just give your gift to our audience and to so many people, so many girls and women around here. And, um, I hope to soon in the next couple of months, maybe have you back on and we can talk, dive into a little more parenting, a little more codependency and, and have some more conversations around that. But thank you for sharing your journey and um, where can people reach you um, if they'd like support and to utilize your services? Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I hang out a lot on Instagram, so you can find me at Mari Helena or at Girls Empowerment Experience. Um, you can also go to girlsempowermentexperience.com and find out about our mentorship program. Um, we work with girls, young women, teens in a confidence, courage, and connection um, building program. So we use all kinds of modalities, movement, mindfulness, mindset. Um, we combine talking with all of those modalities to help girls be themselves and find their own self-love journey. So if start them early. Start them early. You want to learn amazing questions or you just need somebody to talk to you need help or you just need a friend um please reach out anytime i'm always here for you and like i said i really think i'll quote michael gervais again it's through relationships we become um and so that's what i'm here for i'm here for that human connection and to heal and grow together and so um if you need help with that or you just need someone to talk to reach out anytime Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I am so excited to announce that my next interview will actually be with Mari's hubby, Josh Wingate, who's a well-known actor, martial artist, a coach also, and a musician and many other accolades <laughs> behind his name. So I'm so excited to hear his side of the journey, which uh, very much is different, but mirrors yours. And, um, and also to get that male perspective on what it's been like for him um, with all of the, the challenges that come with that and the expectations that come with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm just so grateful that I am privileged enough to get both of you. So we'll be doing a few episodes with him coming soon. So everybody tune in. And in the meantime, thank you for listening and follow me at Lift Therapy. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Thanks, Mari. Thank so much. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story, and you could just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life.
www.thepowerofpower.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, Zoom links to private gathers. So if you want to join our community, go to singleonpurpose.life. Thank you for listening. Be well. We hope you tell a friend. Hey, before you go, I want to invite you to the Single on Purpose private community online. It's off of social media. No ads, no algorithms. We got forums. We got live groups. We got webinars. And we have social hangs. We also have offline in-person hangs happening soon. So check us out. Go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. And I will see you inside.